everybody. Good to be with you. We're going to study along in the parables. We're going to go right into the Word of God. I want to pray that God would speak and anoint through me, and so uh, your ears as well. So bow your heads with me, and Father, we pray that you would do as we've asked, and that is, is that you would be so gracious as to pour out your Spirit over us. We, we ask that in our songs that we sang to you. We pray that those blessed you and that you receive them with gratitude. Um, for the way that we really, truly want to say thank you to you. Lord, we ask that you would anoint the word, that we would be able to preach it and speak it and hear it in a way that moves us closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, there are two words in the English language that are really hard when they come together a lot of times, and they are what if. If you think about it, there are a lot of bad things that come after what if, right? What if usually demonstrates this, the deep reservoir uh, fears, worries, concerns, and struggles of our lives, we, they usually start out with what if, right? Uh, what, well, what if I have this? Or what if this doesn't work out? Or what if no one shows up and we prepared for all of this? God has his what if moment in this parable. Jesus in Matthew 22 says that, that the kingdom of heaven is like a banquet, uh, uh, where the banquet was in, the host invited, God the, the Father invited, and no one shows up. No one shows up. Can you imagine in your life at a big event that you're hosting or putting together and you're putting all the details into it and every little part and piece is just right, et cetera, and then no one shows up. You have to understand how the Jewish world works in their ceremonies, and that is the Jewish ceremony, most of them, when there is a wedding, it's literally a very, very short few-minute wedding ceremony where the guy is standing up there with his mom and his dad. They're underneath what's called a chuppah, and then the bride comes forward with her family, and they literally join together, and there's a blessing spoken over them, and they're married. And then we're on to the festival. Uh, well, but before then, there's seven days of lead up to it where there are all kinds of wonderful things that are celebratory that you're preparing for. So by the time you get to the very end, it's sort of like, okay, and you're married, right? And in that scenario here, we're going to read into this parable where into the lead up, there's this great big banquet of God that he's put forward. And by the way, that's in Revelation chapter 19, because in the Bible, it actually, there is a feast and there is a feast at the end and God invites us all to it. Uh, but there's one piece that's important. What you wear matters. What you wear to that festival, that feast, that, that wedding feast of the Lamb of God matters. And we, we'll talk about that. In my life, I've had my what-ifs, and your life, you've had your what-ifs, and then, you know, when you have the difficult things that follow the what-if, you then ask the question, what now? What now, right? Because what-if usually leads to what now? Okay, so now what do we do based upon what happened that we didn't want to it to happen? A year ago, I mean, I was, you know, right in the middle of preparing for a surgery for cancer, and I had my what-ifs. And I had my, what if it doesn't work out? And what if it goes the wrong way? And what if it, they didn't get it all? And what if whatever? You have your what ifs, right? You have them. Welcome to humanity. We all have our what ifs. The great big question after that what if is, is, is when God's involved, what now is, praise be to God. He shows up. God shows up in our lives. So let's look at Matthew chapter 22, and we'll see how God shows up in the what if moments. So Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying uh, to them, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Now this, this, you got to understand this in the context, it's really hard to bring you into Middle East culture, but walk in with me just for a second. 
Middle East culture and much of the world culture, and even in America, but we cover it in layers, a lot of the world's culture is built on shame and honor. It's a shame and honor culture. So for people to refuse to come, they are literally throwing shame onto a family that, no, we're not coming. Well, no, we're not coming can mean a lot of different reasons for why. I'll give you an illustration of this. So a friend of ours, uh, they, uh, Ajay and Indulal are uh, missionaries. They are Christians who live in India. They're from India. And they were hosting a, a big wedding. And in their culture, because their ministry is this large, 612 churches, 195,000 people in these churches, they invited 6,000 plus people to the ceremony. Can you, can you, this wasn't the fatted calf, this was the fatted herd, right? I mean, you're killing everyone that's, I mean, like, bring them all in, we're just going to do it right here, right? I mean, 37 rows of animals that are going to be cooked. And in that culture, the reason why you invited everyone was because you showed them shame if you didn't invite them in. Now, God is that God who comes in and says, I'm going to invite everyone. We're going to see later on down in this feast where God's saying, I'm, I'm inviting you. I'm inviting you to come to this festival, uh, and I will do everything to do that. But it says here, they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and tell them, those who had been invited, that I had prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle had been butchered, and everything is ready. So the first invitation leads to the enticement invitation. You know what's on the menu, right? He kind of throws out and says, here's the menu. You ought to see it. It looks really great. Now, now think about that for just a second, because that person is living in a bit of shame in the second invite, and that is, it wasn't good enough for you to come just because of me, and we invited you. Now I'm saying to you, well, the food's good. Do you want to come for the food? So you're no longer coming for me, but you're coming for the benefits. And this is where you have to be really, really, really careful because, see, the church is doing this kind of thing in a lot of ways now, right? The message of the gospel is, is that Christ will forgive you. He will redeem your life. He'll give you hope, blessing, and goodness. And we go... Um, uh, anything else? Like, do you guys have a really great playground? Right? We got to be really, really, really careful that we remember that it's the God of the universe that is inviting us into this feast and into this banquet. And the parable here is the kingdom of God is like this parable. And they, he said to him, come to the wedding banquet. So he re-invites them. That's the second invitation. Verse 5. But they, know, they paid no attention and they went off, one to his field and another to his business. I think it's very interesting, and we ought to just dial this in. One went to their possessions, the other went to their professions. Okay? One went to a possession, the other went to a profession. Notice this is that you go, well, I'm just going to go back to what really matters to me. So one went to his field, his possession, the other went to his business, which was his profession. Verse 6, the rest seized his servants and mistreated them and killed them. So again, we're in a parable now. And in this parable, what happens is, is, is that the first people go off to their assets, the second people go off to their income, and then the third people say, forget that. I'm just going to beat you. Why are you asking me a third time to come to this thing? I'm going to, I'm going to just beat you. Right. And that's literally what they do. We'll give you some pictures about what that means. In fact, if you go to the second side of it, you'll, you'll see that the invitations, the first invitation, the second invitation and the enticement one, that what they do is, is the first, the third one is they go to retaliation and we ask, okay, well, what, what does this parable mean? Down at the bottom on the front page of the handout, if you're online watching with us, of course, it's on, on the website there. You can just download it. Um, 
But down on the bottom, the wedding banquet equals the kingdom of heaven. The first invited guests were the Jews. They were the chosen ones of God. Uh, the second ones, the second invited guest was everyone, the Gentiles. The Jews were given the Abrahamic covenant. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 3, God says, I will bless you that you might be a blessing to others. And they said, thank you very much. Uh, we like the party. We're just going to keep it ours. Right? And God comes along, no, no, you're intended to be a priestly nation. We want you, I want you to share it with the world, the blessing that I have for the rest of the world. And finally, there in the reading, at least we have in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius is invited by Peter to give his life to God, the first Gentile conversion, right? We have to be very, very, very careful as Christians as well, because we sort of have that idea, well, I, I, you know, I'm saved and hope the rest of you figure it out. That's not how God does this story. That's not how this parable plays out, is that you're invited, and when you're there, you're invited to continue to inviting, keep telling the story. The invitation is God's heart is out there for all. The messengers who were mistreated and murdered, those are the persecuted people of God. There's all kinds of Christian persecution going on around the world. All I have to do is go to the Voice of the Martyrs website and you'll see person after person, Christian after Christian is facing it. You undoubtedly are facing some of that as well. There are people in your life that have nothing to do with you because you follow Christ. That's okay. That's okay. One of the benefits of sitting at the feast room of God, one of the most beautiful things about it is, is I no longer need the approval of someone else. I'm at the table. I've been forgiven, redeemed, blessed, encouraged. You have been as well. You, the, people will deny you. People will persecute you. People will say all kinds of things about you. That's why my line is when I go to a party and nobody knows what I am, they say, hey, what, you know, because the first thing I always ask somebody, what do you do? I go, I'm in sales for a multinational. We're in every country in the world. I'm like, oh, really? Like, who do you work for? IBM? Or, oh, I'm a pastor of a church, man. We're all over the place, right? Blows the cover. And then they're like, oh, I got stuck at the pastor's table, man. He's going he's gonna to analyze by the ounce, you know, how much I'm drinking, how fast I'm going through it, all that stuff, right? I know your world. I get it. I'm outed. I'm a pastor. But you get persecuted as well. It's okay. Let go of that. The scripture says, be wary when all people speak well of you. That's how they treated the false prophets who come before you. If everyone likes you, you may not be an authentic follower of God. Some people are just going to go, mm, I don't like you. So go back to the feast. Uh, we come into that and it says some of them were killed. The king was enraged, so he sent his army. He destroyed those murderers and he burned their city. Now, this is a hard one a lot of times for us New Testament Christians because we read it and we go, wait a minute, our God's supposed to be loving, kind, and good, and all of a sudden now he's Old Testament God again, and he's like scorched, scorched earth, and he's burning all those kinds of things. I, I, I think there's some interesting pieces to the story, but one of the things I would say before we get too far into that, just be mindful of this, okay? God has invited everyone to the table. There are a lot of people who said, nope, not interested or whatever, and there's a whole lot of hell played out in a lot of people's lives and destruction and every imaginable thing you can imagine in the world around us. And the way that people destroy themselves. The world is destroying itself. Can you see this? People are just literally self-destructive. And they're coming apart. And God isn't doing that. People are doing a pretty good job of destroying their own lives without God. Right? This world is in trouble. And it has a load of difficulty regardless. Now I want to give you a peek into Revelation chapter 19 because this is actual feast that you are invited to and that is going to happen someday. Revelation chapter 18 is the great fall of Babylon. It falls down. It comes down to its knees. Everything is just laid to plunder, right? And the first hallelujah of the New Testament shows up in Revelation 19. Here, look at it with me. 
After, after what? After the fall of Babylon. After this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, hallelujah. First time it shows up in the New Testament. Why are they hallelujah? Verse two, for his judgments, God's judgments are true and just for he has judged the great prostitute, great Babylon, who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of, her, of uh, his servants. So notice that. Remember that picture said that the invitation was there for all. People went to their processions. People went to their professions. And then people mistreated those who kept sharing the message. Okay? Notice how that's getting played out in Revelation 19 as well. Right? It says, and God avenges the blood of his servants. And they were corrupted with their own immorality. The world's corrupting itself with its own immorality. And And the sad part of the sexual revolution is they're eating their own. Right? They're eating their own. They're, 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 they're now directing their kids to go into all kinds of amazing, awful, wretched things that are just, you wouldn't even want to talk about in here that are going on around it. Their immorality, and it came down. So when the feast happens, all that stuff was exposed, and God avenges the blood of his servants. Verse 3 Once more they cried out, Hallelujah, the smoke from her goes up forever and ever. They're grateful it finally came to an end. Verse four at this feast, and the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne saying, amen, hallelujah. And from the throne came a voice saying, praise our God, all of you, his servants, you who revere, fear him, great and small. Now I want you to see something important about this, great and small. Go back to the feast. In the feast, the ones that were invited said, no, nah, got a better offer, Okay. And then God goes, okay, no, what if no one shows up? Well, if no one shows up, we'll invite everybody. We've made the food. Go call everybody out. And so the, the kingdom of God's been spread out all right around the world. And it's been spread out and people are invited to come. And here's what's so powerful about this is that when you're at the kingdom plate of God, you're the kingdom table of God, the feast festival place of God, the great and small are made the same. Notice that? They're made the same. Now, here's the treachery of the world we live in. The treachery of the world we live in is filled with who's great and who's not great, who's small and who's not small, who are they, how are they. The possession world we live in, those possessions and professions are all built on what? Comparison living. We're constantly, we talked about this a few weeks ago in one of the other parables, one of the most treacherous, wretched things of the world we live in is that we are constantly micro-judging ourselves against everybody else. The micro-judgment that's going on is wretched. One of the things that we ought to be liberated to in the Christian world is, is that great and small sit at the table of God and there's no great or small. There's just redeemed. Amen? We're just redeemed. No one's better. No one's worse. The ground at the foot of the cross is, ready for it, level. No one's got a better spot. Pastors don't have a better buy-in. You heard the joke, right? The guy, two guys show up in heaven. There's a taxi driver and there's a pastor, right? A taxi driver standing there. He's in front of God and he says, man, we're glad to see you. You're in. Come over here. And he gets this marvelous, wonderful spot. And the pastor's thinking, man, that guy just drove people around. I mean, I led the kingdom, right? It was a part of the, I helped set the table, right? Pastor comes up. He gets this tiny little one-bedroom condo with no view, and he said, I, I, you know, I don't want to complain, but I'm just asking. He says, well, when you went to work, people fell asleep. When the taxi driver went to work, they prayed like they'd never prayed in their lives. <laughs> the job is get them to pray. But we go back to the feast. Small and great are there. And you know why? Because all the things that we use to judge ourselves against everybody in the world, God does not care about. God does not care about it. 
You know what that should do for us? It should make us so free to just love and be loved, to make friends and build fellowship. There's no better, no worse. We all are privileged to have been invited to that wonderful feast. So then it says in verse six, then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out hallelujah for the Lord our God almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give, glory, give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen. Now notice this part, clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. Remember I said earlier, when you get there, the one thing that does matter is what you're wearing, okay? You do have to have the right clothes, okay? That's an important piece. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said to me, these are true words of God. You're invited, you're invited. Here's the great tragedy. Remember I talked about the what is because they usually represent the difficult things in our lives. But there's another thing that we usually do when we have an offer from God, and it's usually this. What if I have a better offer? What if I don't want to do what you want me to do? You know, what if I don't like the people that are around me in the church? Right, see, because we, we do spend a fair amount of time, if we're not careful, kind of going, well, I like them, and I don't like them, and I like them, and I don't like them. When the truth of it is, is that we ought to see is, is that you are clothed in Christ. You are clothed in Christ. You are clothed in Christ. You are my brother, and you're my sister. We are walking in the Lord. There's no better, no worse, but you are clothed in Christ. One of the most beautiful, liberating things is, is that we have the joy of loving and being loved without all the garbage that the world does. And we have to be careful because we want to check this stuff at the door and we want to check it actually at our hearts. And that is, is that people matter to God. They ought to matter to us. See, people matter. People matter. It's the important thing, the people. Let's, let's go back to the parable. So we get to verse eight. You can see how the parable actually is something that's going to happen from Revelation. You get to verse eight. They said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Now there's a very important word in there, deserve to come. Hold on to that one, okay? So good. So go to the street corners and invite the banquet, anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets. Remember, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And they gathered all the people they could find, as bad, the, the bad as well as the good. Notice the bad as well as the good. And I think he's talking about the cultural observation. Those whom people say are bad and those whom people say are good. He was saying the culture says they're good and they're bad. God said, I, I, you're all sinful. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Scripture, text, it's in the book. But we kind of almost put asterisks by the scripture, don't we? We go, wow, they're worse than that. They're worse than me. No, worse than is we're sinners. We're all sinners. We all deserve to go to hell. But he went out there and he got everybody and he invited them, the good and the bad. But when the king came in uh, and the wedding hall was filled with guests, heaven will have people you'll never imagine who are in there. Why? Because God sees the heart. I love that old Irish saying, right? There's an Irish guy is, is standing before God and he says to him, he says, he says, don't you want to come into heaven? He says, well, yeah, Father, uh, you know, Father, I want to go to heaven, but all my friends are in hell. <laughs> I want to go be with my buddies. See, what if we think we have better offers? Because we kind of do that with God. What if I have a better offer, God, or I'll wait till the very end, and maybe, maybe I don't know if I'm going to come to your wedding. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man who was there not wearing wedding clothes. Now, this gets really important. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. 
Now, what do we be clothed with? Turn to the back of the second page on your handout there, okay? It's in Galatians chapter three, and we, we can look at Galatians three up here. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. We're, we're children of God through faith, right? For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. So I have to be very, 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 very careful. Let me play a, a little theological word that's way past my pay, pay grade here. But the notion of imputed righteousness is a righteousness that God puts onto you that comes from him. It's not what you do, it's who you know. And what he does is, is that he asks you to confess Jesus as Lord, to, to declare the resurrection, and that he pours that grace out over you. And, and, and the question would be, well, is there anything I did to merit that? Well, of course not. He looked down and said, you need clothing. Don't show up at the wedding like that. In fact, you're not welcome at the wedding unless you're clothed in the righteousness of God. And in Christ, we are clothed in the righteousness of God. Now, notice how he does a little cultural bust right here in Galatians 3, verse, the next verse, uh, verse 28. Verse 28 says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile nor slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. All the things that the world categorizes you in, what? Race, socioeconomics, gender. All the things the world says you're in, you're not, you're out, you're in, you're out, you're in. God comes along and says, when you're clothed in me, I don't even look at those pieces. The things you get all wired up about, I don't even see it. I don't see it. For you are one in Christ Jesus. Now notice this last little ending of the verse. It's, it's really beautiful how it goes. If you belong to Christ, remember at the wedding? You ever been at a wedding and people go, who invited you? Our, our family, we literally, a few caveat for a moment, a few years ago, somebody else in our family was invited to a wedding, which we thought that meant we were invited to the wedding, and we weren't. But we all showed up, and we started stuffing our pie hole, and someone comes up and goes, who invited you? Straight up. It was a beautiful moment. I mean, are you kidding me? I was like, sermon material right here, babe. My wife did not see it as so funny, Melody. It was not quite as, you know, savory on her side of stuff. If you belong to Christ, you got a seat at the table. You're welcomed. You're invited. And then notice this. Let's go back to the first guest. Who were the first guests that were invited? The Jewish people, chosen of God. Then you are, whoa, father of the whole thing. You are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. God had a spot for you from the very beginning of time. He's been waiting for you to show up. Your spot has been reserved and he brings you into his great, big, beautiful family. Let's finish it up. Verse 13 of 22 in the parable, then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot, throw him on the outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I said, heaven's gonna have all kinds of people in it, all different shapes and sizes, color, skin, all of that, one people won't be there, prideful people. No one's gonna walk in and go, yeah, I deserved it, I get the big spot. It just does not happen. Let's just take an informal poll, okay? I'm, I'm, be bold, audacious, right? We're in a moment, it's okay, we're not filming you, they're filming me, so you won't be on tape, right? Google's not looking at your face, they're looking at my face, so look at you. If you're gonna make it in on your own, raise your hand. Oh, we had a hand almost go up, right? Anybody in the balcony? Come on, we're giving you time. Anybody in the balcony? Well, I'll see it. 
because in our hearts, we all know that we are short of the mark. Sin means to what? Miss the mark. We know we've missed the mark. The beauty of it is God comes on and says, I, I will cover you. I will forgive you. Now, here's a very important little line. Just because we're in doesn't mean we get cocky. Just because we've been saved doesn't mean that we walk around with a boastful, puffed-up chest. No, we walk around and go, man, I cannot believe that he let me in. I will live a life of gratitude. Colossians chapter 2, as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. How do you receive Christ Jesus as Lord? With pride? No, with humility. And when you receive him with humility, he says, now go walk in that humility. And humility doesn't mean dour in my life is awful. Humility means I'm saved. I was walking to the table. Whew, hey, you want a seat? There's, got, there's more chairs. There's plenty of spots. There's one for you. Are you interested? The parables. Remember now it's the kingdom. Let's go back to the kingdom. The kingdom of God is like this banquet. This is God's heart being revealed. His heart for you is great and grand and wonderful and beautiful. Here's the mistake for us. We run to our possessions, we run to our professions, or we beat those who come to us with the offer of God. Be careful that you're not scoring up your life to go, ah, I got a better offer. I got a better offer. The scripture says in Philippians chapter two that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That will happen. That day is coming. That wedding feast will occur. Jesus will be the bride. I have one, one of the most beautiful things I have as a part of the ministry that I get to be a part of is I get to do weddings. And I'm at a wedding. I was at a wedding last week uh, on the 1st of July and Ben was standing there and he was excited and Brittany just looked gorgeous and she's about to come down the walkway like that. And you know one of the coolest parts of being the pastor at the ceremony? You get to hear their sighs. You get to hear them kind of choke it back for a second. You get to hear them be excited. You get to see that heart in their chest going boom, 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 boom. And then I always gently lean over and I go, she's coming down here to see you. And the guy will look at you and smile. It's like, this is the moment. That's this wedding feast of God. He's coming back for you. He looks at you and says, yeah, you're invited. Because see, he is the groom, you are the bride, and you're the one that's going to be the one to enter in the moment, in the exact right moment. And God will glory, the glory will go to God and the blessing will go to you. And the benefit is that, and that is the kingdom of heaven, and that's his heart for you. So kind of getting in your kitchen a little bit, you got better offers? I don't have a better offer. I don't have a better offer. The terms are my pride. The offer is eternity with the Father in relationship that is set forward by a righteousness he puts on me. He pays for the tux. That's even the best last part of the deal. He pays for the tux. Have you taken it on? Have you accepted it? Are you there? Are you playing with the possessions game? You're playing the professions game? Are you going, you know, I just want people to like me. Remember my statement from a few weeks ago? We've gone from Christianity to churchianity to niceanity. And why, do we, why are we in niceanity? Because we just want everybody to like us. It says here in the parable, they aren't going to like you. It says in the Sermon on the Mount, they're going to persecute you. It says in that place, they're going to belittle you. They're going to make fun of your kids. That's going to happen. It's okay. It's really okay. Does it hurt? Absolutely, it hurts. But we keep moving forward. 
and we keep walking in the way of Christ, and we keep identifying with the resurrection of Christ so that in our bodies, we do not give up, we're not discouraged, we keep walking because God has killed the fatted herd and he's waiting on us to come. That day's gonna happen. That day's gonna happen. That's the kingdom of heaven. Peace of God be on you. Let's stand and we'll pray together and we'll be on our way. Father, we, we joy in the fact that you have that offer and that you put it out and we're running to you. Guide us now, Lord. They think I might be praying to them, but I'm not, Lord. I'm praying to you. Or for those who are out there maybe, maybe weighing better offers, oh, Lord, spirit of living God, bring a beautiful re-invite. You're the God who continues to invite. We pray that you would stir in our souls that nothing, nothing compares. Father, grow us, bring us forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Look, if you're making those decisions, don't just scoot off, okay? If you're getting right with God, I'll be up here. You come up here. Let's chat. Let's connect. But your time with God may be today. You might say, you know what? Uh, I want in on that invitation. I'll be up here in the front, so our elders will be as well. Peace of God. Be safe out there. Have a great day. Hope your air conditioner works at your house.